good to have the Devin. Is that right? Good to have Devin with us. Glad to see him. He was back here Christmas. Glad he's here. Glad uh, David's here, and just so many that today we're so thankful for God's goodness and mercy. Brother Texas is going to come preach to us today, so Amen. give him a good hand. This is the first time he's preached as he, since Corbin's been here, so let's give him a good hand. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord, and it's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord with my son and my wife. Uh, we were very fortunate uh, to have Corbin. We're very fortunate that everything went perfectly. C-section and all the complications that could have arisen, uh, nothing did. Thank, thank God for that. We're glad that he's here and uh, he's loved. I can tell. Thank you for all the people that's brought him stuff, hugged him, kissed him. We appreciate that. Um, but if you would uh, just allow me to relay this message to you today that I feel like the Lord has given me for this church and uh, I want to thank my pastor for allowing me to get behind this pulpit and uh, preach the word I feel like the Lord has given me. And I'm thankful to you for coming today, being here on this nice, rainy, flash, floody Sunday. Isn't that great? Went from snow to flash floods to almost 70 degree weather. Amen. But uh, fishing season's coming, if anybody out there is excited for that. <laughs> uh, if you ever want to go fishing, I know a lake about five miles from here. We can hit it up, catch some bass. I don't know. Um, but thank you for coming. Uh, we can go ahead and get started today, if you would. Would you turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 78? Uh, we're going to start reading in verse 34, and I'll read down to verse 42. I'm um, thankful for my cousins and my aunt coming today. Thank you so much for being here. Devin, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate you guys. Um, love you all. And, uh, everybody, if you would stand for the reading of the Word, please. I know it's on the screen, and it helps us. Get a little complacent, but I believe that we need to honor the word of the Lord. That's why we stand up. Amen. And it's up there on the screen, and I'm going to start reading. It says in verse 34 in Psalm chapter 78, When he slew them, then they sought him, and there, there re, they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, somebody say compassion, compassion. forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. Somebody say the children of Israel were heathens. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. Somebody say, not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Let's go ahead and invite the presence of the Lord to speak to us in this place because I believe His presence is here, but I believe you need to open your heart to hear the voice of God that's going to be speaking today to us in this place. Jesus, 
We're so thankful for the love we feel, the mercy we have for, because of your sacrifice. We know that you're truly God. Lord, we know that you gave your life for us and we have a chance once again this Sunday morning to feel your presence, God, to be basking in the light of your glory. In the name of Jesus, I ask that you would be with us and help us today to go towards the call that you have for this church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, there was a man, and his name was Jesus. Just a poor child, born unto a carpenter and a humble woman. Father Joseph and his mother Mary. Birthplace was Bethlehem. Location was the stables, a barn. For during the census from Caesar Augustus, all the places to stay were booked ahead in advance. And I'm sorry, but there was no Airbnbs that they could sneak in and get for a cheap price. Nobody was offering up their house for them to stay. Uh, there wasn't any, uh, no DoorDash to pick them up some Wendy's for their stay in the barn. There wasn't any way they could get food there. There was no doctor to perform the birth. There was no nurses in presence to help deliver the baby. No, just some measly old animals. No soft bed, but there's some hay. And if you would, just imagine it more like a Motel 6 than of a, a Holiday Inn. Uh, but they were desperate. When you're desperate, a stable will do. When you're desperate, church, a storefront is an ideal church building. When you're desperate, one Sunday school room with 30 kids will do. One church bus on two, for two trips on Sunday is enough. One church bus can fit... 27 kids, that will be acceptable. When you're desperate, when you're bringing the, the Savior of all humanity into the world, a stable will do. Animals will make a good audience. Angels make a good audience. The arrival of God in flesh. A rescue call for humanity. God's chosen vessel. Amen. Not the ideal way to bring a Savior into humanity. There was no pomp and circumstance. There wasn't a great battle where he showed up wielding the great sword Excalibur and went and beheaded the enemies that they were fighting. No. Some people won't understand why God come the way He came. They can't understand that He was a peaceful man. Some people won't understand the fact that He was fully God and He was fully man. And some people today, church, just won't understand Harvest House. Amen. Some people just won't understand the way we do things. But just as Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Harvest House was destined to be here and to win this city. You were destined to be here on February 28th, the last day of the second month of 2021. It may, this church may need a few coats of paint and it may need some upgrades, but God has, can make something out of nothing. He can make salvation out of loyalty. Just as Mary was loyalty to the call and Joseph was loyal to the call, God can make something out of nothing, church. God can take something that seems just like a storefront building where you might find an old pawn shop and turn it into a Holy Ghost driven church that's here to save this city. For 
from the gates of hell that are trying to come up and pass us. But I tell you what, church, out of encouragement, the Lord is not against you, and He is for you. If you're desperate enough, the circumstances we have in this church today will do it. You're desperate enough. Eight people on a Thursday night is 800. If you're desperate enough, a five-person Sunday school class is the same size as a 500-strong army. If you're desperate enough, four lepers can take out an entire Syrian encampment. If you're desperate enough, you can bring meat and gold and sustenance to an entire city. If you're desperate enough, Harvest House, he can make something out of nothing. Harvest House, what he has called us to be. When we become desperate, that's when we can find the calling. That's when we can find the mark that Paul wrote about. The mark, the prize of the high calling. Something that is higher and is much greater than anything that we can even conjure up in this world. When we take advantage of the circumstances, we can birth salvations. Salvation into the streets of Marion, Kentucky. You can birth salvation into your workplace. You can birth salvation into your family. God wrapped himself in flesh and come as a, as a man in a, born in Bethlehem in stables. It wasn't something great. He wasn't born into a king, but he had purpose. God was desperate enough to save humanity that nothing else would do. He had to do it himself. You may wonder, preacher, what are you just trying to say today? Church, I'm just trying to say do not give up hope. Not only do we have hope, but we have a God who is better than hope. We have a God who is better than faith. We have a God who believes in this church just like the pastor of Harvest House believes in this church. Like I believe in this church. And like this city believes in this church. And that may confuse you, but there's a city right now that's hoping that we get something that they need. There are people dying, lost, and scared and afraid that are hoping that this church finally gets desperate enough that they're going to take this word to the streets no matter come hell or high water. They're going to do what they've got to do because there's a city that's believing in you, that's hoping in you. You are their way to salvation. We are the way for salvation to be birthed into Marion, Kentucky. And I've got a question. Are you desperate enough to do what God has called you to do? You may not even think that you're a part of it. And they might not even think they know it yet, but we're going to show them that they need it. And you're going to figure out that you're a bigger part of this than you could ever imagine. Because we believe in you. I believe in you. I believe that you got a prayer life buried deep in yourself. uh, Underneath that depression and that hurt uh, that you're blaming on God. Uh, Let me tell you what, there's a prayer life in that. Uh, Instead of being mad at Him, uh, why don't you just go ahead and start praising Him? Uh, Instead of being depressed, uh, why don't you start praising God for what He's done? Because there's somebody here that believes in you. You have a ministry inside of you. Every single person in this church. Psalm 78 is a recap of the failures of the children of Israel. And likely, many of you right now could begin to recap the failures in your life. It wouldn't take much for me to call on every single person in this building and have them stand up.
And begin to recap the failures and mistakes that you have made. That I have made. Because they're always with us. They're always bearing on our minds. We're always thinking about our failures. And we're not thinking about what God has done in our lives and what He can do through us. But the truth is our failures are a part of us. Psalm 78 was wrote so that the people would not forget what the children of Israel had been through. Not forget what their fathers had endured so they could have the tabernacle. So they could have the day of Pentecost. This happened on purpose. Your failures happened on purpose. You made mistakes on purpose. You lost things on purpose because we serve a God who can see from the beginning to the end. And it doesn't make sense to me, Sister Penny. But I believe that my failures are there for me to use because God has called me to do so. Amen. What it is, is that this was a recap of them coming out of captivity. Coming out from places like the Red Sea, seeing God part an entire sea straight across to the ground. And walking across and then the waters destroying their enemies. It was seeing manna fall from heaven. Which we just get rain nowadays. But they got sustenance that fell from heaven. They said that flesh covered the earth like because God was giving them provision in one of the hardest trying times of their life and many times the children of Israel failed and I have failed many times and I don't even have to say it but you know that you have failed many times worship the children of Israel worshiping God, false gods and turning from the voice of God. We have all been there. We have all at one point lifted something up higher than the name of Jesus. We have all went to the high places where we're supposed to be worshiping God and instead worship something else. And we get sidetracked and we fail. Psalm 78. When he slew them, they sought Him and they returned and inquired early after God and they remembered that God was their rock. And I read this at the beginning. And, their, and the high God, their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter Him with their mouth and they lied unto Him with their tongues for their heart was not right with Him. Neither were they steadfast in His covenant. But He, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Many times, church, Many a time turned he his anger away. Many times he's turned his anger away for us. And, and he has forgiven us even when we go to him and we flatter him with our lips and we flatter him with our words. We flatter him with, God, didn't you see me do this for the church? Didn't you see me do this? Hey man, what God really wants is He wants a heart that is steadfast after His covenant. That is steadfast going towards the mark of the high calling. Because God, that is full of compassion, He looks at your sin that's amounted in your life. He looked at the sin that amounted from the children of Israel. That they had their hearts not right and that they were not in His covenant. But He, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. If it had not been for a God who when I was nowhere near His covenant and I was living in sin had compassion on me, had mercy on me. He forgave my sins before I even knew He was the one true God. He had already died for me before the children of Israel ever turned. Again, God had already forgave their iniquities. If it was not for the Lord, 
where would I be? My life was nothing until he set me free. I have a joy that cannot be surpassed. I'm on the cloud from the first moment to the last. He walks with me. He talks with me. Tells me I'm his own. He made the difference, church. He made the difference in my life. It was not high school. It was not sports. It wasn't PS4. It wasn't Bethany. It was God that made the difference. It was God that made the difference in your life. It was a vessel for Harvest House. It was a vessel through Bethany. But it was God who made the difference. Before I even knew who he was, he had already forgiven me. And he has done the same for you today. Everybody just breathe in. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold on. Hold it. All right, breathe out. That breath was borrowed. Because if you recall in Genesis, it was God who breathed. His own breath into humanity. And made us live. Your life, as much as you think, is not your own. You do have the ability to make decisions on your own. That is free will. God gave you that. Because He loves you. And He wants love in return. But He doesn't want forced love. He wants you to choose to love Him. And the problem is, is we control our life too much. In reality, if we depended on God more, life would be better. That's pretty black and white, wouldn't you agree? But the black and white part of that is it's not that easy. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He has wrote a perfect story for your life. And I believe it's time we live in it. But it's just not that easy, is it, church? God wrote a beautiful narrative for Harvest House that we can embrace and we can fulfill. Amen. Because the story is not over. Because it is just beginning. 14 years is nothing to God. He has reigned forever from the beginning to the ending. He will reign. He has reigned since creating life in the beginning to the day we have now. And He will reign all the way till He comes back. And then continuing on into an eternity, uh, an amount of time that our brains cannot even begin to conceive. God will reign over that. And 14 years in that of time is absolutely nothing. I'm going to be 21 this year and I can look back and it feels like just yesterday I was living in an apartment building Bellevue Apartments in Marion, Kentucky in a two-bedroom apartment. We're living with my mom who had recently become infatuated with church. Amen. And my sister who was also infatuated with church And us coming to the house of the Lord at a young age of maybe around 10 or 9 or so and getting involved and being filled with the Holy Ghost, that really feels like it was just yesterday. If I think about it hard enough, I can feel the hot tears that rolled down my face when I stood right there where that tripod is and received the Holy Ghost. 
I can still feel those hot tears that roll down my cheeks as I begin to utter a language I never spoke before, but something lit inside of me that was like nothing I'd ever felt before. God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and it charged and changed my life in a way that nothing that exists on this entire planet can do. There is no amount of cocaine. There is no amount of meth. There is no child that can pay me enough that it can replace the Holy Ghost that God has given me. Amen. I thought somebody else would be agreeing with me on that. Let me tell you what. The Holy Ghost cannot be replaced by natural things. It is supernatural. It is given and ordained by God. And if you don't got it, you need to get it. Because it's a key to salvation. You got to have it to get to heaven. You got to have the Spirit of God living on the inside. To make it through those doors. To make it through the gates of to see your loved lost ones you gotta get it to go you can be more than just a supporting character in this church's narrative you can be more than just a supporting character cause this is just the prologue sweetheart this is just the beginning God's taking us into an introduction of the greatest revival the world has ever seen and if you're counting out the city of Marion, Kentucky you're so wrong you don't even know it yet God is saying the plot is in your hands He's saying, I'm the potter and I will mold you, but your decisions are going to mold the revival I have planned for this city. How desperate you are is going to mold the revival I have for this city. How much you want to give is how much you're going to get. It's going to be poured out, but you've got to reach out to get it if you want it. Because I'm not just going to pour it on the floor. God's not just going to pour his anointing out on the ground. Amen. He's going to pour it on vessels who are desperate enough to get filled up and get empty of what this world has. See, God remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth by and cometh not again. Friends, peers, family, this is the one shot that we have. Bag and bag all you want. But we've got one and only one shot at this thing. There will be no restart button. There will be no Harvest House 2.0. There will be never again you to step on this planet once God comes back. There will never ever be another you again. There will never ever be another person that is birthed just like you. This is the only life you have. The only road you have to heaven. And the only road you have that will take you to hell. You got one life. There will never be another you again. You are absolutely, absolutely it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're it. No one will ever live again in flesh if they die. You have a shot to have a new body, eternally living or eternally dying. But one shot, nothing but a vapor. Uh, I'm about to turn around for this one. Uh, 
You ever seen somebody vape? And I'm not looking at anyone particular in this service. But <clears throat> when they do such acts, at the end of whatever they're doing, the bad stuff that kills you goes on the inside, but then you breathe out something that they call a vapor. Uh, and if you could, next time you're doing such things, imagine that your life, it's there, but maybe a second and dissipates into thin air. Come on. You're never going to see that vapor again. You're never going to see those particles form together like that cloud anymore. And that's your life. You will never have this day again. This morning, you will never be able to turn back time and wake up on January, on February 28th, 2021. It will never happen. Our life is but a vapor. That's here and then it's gone. That's how we live. That's our lives. My son has shown me that life passes too fast. And as I said, I'm 20 going on 21. And I feel like I wasted my life till I was about 17 years old. And then still after that, I realized moments slipped me and passed away that will never ever come again. Opportunities that I will never get again. So what's it going to hurt if this vapor, this flower quickly fading, worships God while I can? What's it going to hurt if I act a little crazy? If people start calling me names? If this vapor cries out for God like no one else has cried out for God before? If this flower quickly fading, instead of dying and turning again to the earth, cries out with every fiber of its being, for the Almighty God to use me in such a way that my life will have a legacy left from when I leave this world and go on into glory. What's it going to hurt if this flower quickly fading gets a little excited when I think about the Holy Ghost? What's it going to hurt if this vapor gets a little fire in its bones when I think about what the Lord has done for me? What's it going to hurt when this vapor of a church gets a little excited because they're having revival because God is writing the story right now? And the pot is in our hands. What's it going to hurt? God wants to see, give us compassion, but it's our flesh that He's allows to limit Himself. And I know I haven't said it yet, but I'm preaching today. That was a my introduction. You're good, okay? That was more than my introduction. I'm preaching today what God allows to limit Himself. Get this, He is an almighty God. He is an all-powerful God. He has no limits. He has no limits. But what He allows to limit Himself is our flesh. That is the only thing. God can do anything He wants to. And He chose to create you. He chose to give you life. And the one thing He put in your life that He allows to limit Himself is flesh. And you control it. God believes in you that much. He can give you something so deadly. It can burn you for eternity. But he can say, I know they can take that flesh and they can use it. That small vapor they have, they can give it back to me. And they can see multiplication beyond their imagination. That is what God says about us. I'm going to give you the one thing 
that can burn you for eternity. But I promise, if you give it back to me, I'll give you eternal life and then some. It's flesh that wants to destroy us. It's flesh that God wanted to destroy for being unfaithful. It's flesh that God loved enough to die for. He wanted to destroy it, but he died for it. It's, it's flesh he led like sheep in the wilderness. In verse 52, but he made his own people to go forth like sheep. And he guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely so that they feared not. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies. At the same time, God was saving flesh. And he was destroying flesh. So there's two parts of the spectrum that you can be on today. You can be on the part that he is saving. Or you can be on the part that he is destroying. Hallelujah. He moved them safely while he's destroying their enemies. Continuing on after verse 52, it says, And he brought them to the border of his sanctuary, even to his mountain, which his right hand has purchased. Oh, so that mountain that you've been stuck at for so long, that battle that you've been waging, even to this mountain, the one I'm talking about that you're thinking about right now that you're at, God has already purchased that battle. He has already purchased it with His right hand. He has already warred for your He's already warred for your salvation. He has already fought that battle. He has already overcome that mountain. And while you were still in pampers, He overcome that mountain. Egypt, He beat it. Alcoholism, He beat it. Depression, He beat it. Hallelujah, addiction, He beat it. Anxiety, he beat it. Hallelujah, he beat it. He already purchased that. Matter of fact, the contract the enemy is operating on, God owns it. If you call on the Lord, he can get that sucker out of your jurisdiction. Hallelujah. And you feel free to jump. You feel free to worship again. Because God's already fought that battle. He purchased that mountain. Continuing on, he cast out the heathen also before them and divided them an inheritance line by line. And he made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. Yet they tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not his testimonies, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow. There are lines that God has made for us to follow. There are lines that when we cross those lines, we become like a deceitful bow. A bow has a pattern that it must follow in order to fire correctly. There has to be certain stages of operating this bow for for it to work correctly. If you dry fire a bow, you're at risk of breaking limbs and destroying the cams on a bow. That's why they never recommend you dry fire. It will break the bow. Because that bow, it's got a line from the top of the bow to the bottom of the bow that it must follow, that it must stay straight. 
And if that line gets a curve in it, it's hard to tell and it becomes a deceitful bow. And when someone comes and picks up that bow and tries to pull it back and use it, when they shoot that bow, that arrow will not go where they intended that arrow to go. That bow will not operate how that bow was intended to operate. It may look like the arrow is going to go the right way. It may talk like a bow. It may look like a bow. It might even feel like a bow. But it's deceitful. What this world needs right now is some straight true bows that have found the lines in the law of the Lord and have kept inside those lines and have decided if this city of Marion needs to pick me up and fight some battles, I'm going to shoot that arrow straight. If someone in this church needs me, they're going to be able to pick me up and I'm going to shoot straight. I'm going to put that arrow right in the middle of that bullseye. If they need some help overcoming alcoholism, if a young person person's got depression if somebody's dealing with pornography I'm going to be the person that's going to help them hit that arrow right on the mark and take out whatever's in their way this city needs some faithful bows there's no time for you to be in a seat for bow because when someone picks you up and they need to use you and you're outside of the lines and you're not straight you could end someone's walk with God you've got to be careful being a deceitful bow it starts with not following God's lines in your life you've got to look at this and understand why that line is there for a reason you've got to understand that those images on the screen that you look at lines are there for a reason for you not to see that you got to understand the music you may listen to. There's lines there to understand why you don't need to listen to it. There, you got to understand why there's lines around drugs for us not to partake in such things. You've got to understand that while we were created flesh, we were half spirit, we are half flesh. God created our flesh with an imagination. And that imagination begins to Picture yourself in the place of whatever may be going on in that song or, or whatever may be going on that you're partaking in. Your imagination tries to conjure feelings that you have not felt yet. And you begin to want for those feelings. And the enemy, being the great friend that he is, puts you in places you feel that temptation. And you can enact on that temptation. You've got to understand why God has put lines in your life and is trying to keep you away from certain avenues. Because some people in here, you're already a goner to an addiction. You're already a goner to alcoholism. Because statistics from generations before you have cursed you to be in that place but I know a God who is a curse breaker who is a chain breaker who if you will allow will take the Holy Ghost fire and rain it on your life and break those curses yes amen it starts when we begin to give our flesh back to God Psalm 78 52 through 59 that's what I just read, and it finishes with, For they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When he heard this, he was, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. See, that's what happens when we're a deceitful bow. God gets jealous when we worship other gods. He does. He's a jealous God. And he's only jealous because he loves you so much. 
He gave His life for you and He feels... He feels like you should only love Him because of all that He's done for you and will do for you. God just wants you to love Him. He wants you to live for Him in this vapor of life that you have that you think is your own. It limits Him to work in our life when we operate under our flesh and not under the Spirit. That is what God allows to limit Himself. If I could get some music as I bring this to a close. Here's a sad story for you. Psalm 78, verse 60 through 64. Here's a sad story. So that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he placed among men, and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He gave his people over also unto the sword and was wroth with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men, and their maidens were not given to marriage. Their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. God gave us a place among men. He gave up His place among men. His strength, which once guided the children of Israel, faithfully through the wilderness and fought their battles. And His glory which went before them was now captive. His people now were slaves. His chosen turned to captivity. Fire consumed the young men and their maidens did not go off to marry. The priests were killed and there was no lamentation for all of this. God is compassionate. God is merciful. But the world wants you to make, make, wants to make you think that God is a giant teddy bear. And while God loves you and God has mercy and compassion on your life, that is not what God truly is. We don't serve a giant softy in the sky. We serve a God who will fight tooth and nail and war for your life. Who will come and endure one of the bloodiest deaths that is possible on the face of this earth for you. He is not soft. He is not a teddy bear. He does have love like a father. But if you have had a good father, you understand that father's love isn't always easy. There's an old song that goes, Daddy's hands, they were soft and smooth when I was crying, but they were hard as nails when I done wrong. There is a side to God that is the judgment side that he has to do to correct his people. It was flesh that God had to correct. God who hates sin but loves the sinner. God who hates flesh but gave us mercy through flesh. It was flesh that God used to redeem Israel. Psalm 78, 65 through 72. Then the Lord awakened as one out of sleep. And like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. And he smote his enemies in the hinder parts. And he put them into a perpetual reproach. Which means continual distress. Moreover, he refused the tabernacle of Joseph. And he chose not the tribe of Ephraim. But he chose the tribe of Judah. The Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like high palaces. Like the earth which he established forever. 
he chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfold from following the ewes great with young the sheep and he brought him to Jacob he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands it was God who like a sleeping giant sprung into action because God while he is loving and he is strong and he loves justice he does not leave his people in captivity even though that's what we deserve even though they deserve death he gave them life he smote his enemies he no longer operated from the tabernacle of Joseph but he chose the tribe of Judah he chose the tribe of praise he built his tabernacle greater and more beautiful than any other high palace it's time we embody praise and move from our old ways it was flesh that God wrapped himself in not just our flesh but the flesh of a man that God put himself in to be led like a lamb to slaughter the correlation here is that God raised David to lead his people a man born of flesh who led sheep and he wrapped himself in flesh and went like a lamb to the slaughter to die for you the Old Testament and the New Testament correlates. God wrapped this whole big puppy up and put a bow on it in Revelation when he said he was coming back. He won't be in the flesh. He'll be in the spirit and we'll leave this flesh and we'll join him in the sky, in the spirit and we'll have a new body. Oh, what God did he became like a lamb to lead the people out of captivity of sin he became flesh to overcome flesh his limit was his destiny his limit flesh become his destiny where he was gonna die and he purposed this from the beginning of the world you can stop God from operating in your life by operating in your flesh you can then change an entire generation by not listening to God. By going outside the lines that God has placed for you. Children of Joseph. Tabernacle of Joseph. There's a tribe of Judah out there that's ready to take your place. That's just waiting to take your place. As God went from the tabernacle of Joseph to the tribe of Judah. If you're not careful, God will choose his own people besides us to use. The talents that you have, God gave you. And you can give them back to him. Or he can give them to someone that will use him. Because your life is but a vapor. And God knows that your flesh will be here and then will be gone and never once again will it be. God took flesh and became salvation. The boy in the manger was God in the flesh, the only God. We sit idle, but God does not sit idle. As I open these altars today, if you would come and pray, you will find that there is a God now living and operating in the Spirit who has a gift for you called the Holy Ghost. And if you come to the altar and you pour yourself out and you overcome this thing called flesh, and you allow God to operate in your world. 
you will see something change in yourself that has never changed before if you realize you're but a vapor and that this Sunday morning is also a part of that vapor and if you let it go you'll never get it back again you may never have the opportunity to come and pray on this altar ever again you may never have the opportunity to come be filled with the Holy Ghost or be baptized in Jesus name so I urge you to come Come on, flower, quickly, vapor. Come on, vapors. I see you in the new God. What are you going to leave? What will it be? What kind of legacy are you leaving in your family? If you know the truth, what kind of truth are you giving to your family? Amen. Come pray. Come pray. Come pray.
Oh, <laughs> 